Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with my friend and trust producer, Max Kerman. We are also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And joining us on the dials is intern Erica. Gang, how's it going? Of course, we're all still apart, uh, but we are recording together. Uh, lots has been going on in the world. Lots has been going on in our life. Actually, recently, uh, Shane, myself, and Max all hung out with the uh, the nut and a, a, a whole group of champagne boys on a massive, like, zoom-like chat where we sort of celebrated uh the nuts birthday yeah it was it was pretty good actually by the end of it it replicated kind of what a normal hangout looks like for our group and i think it's uh, on par with most gang hangouts because you know even with your best friends i you would usually say the first 45 minutes of a hang before people kind of get loose and a little <laughs> drunk are kind of awkward do you find that even with even, <laughs> yeah. even with your friends you, it's like the jokes aren't quite as funny or quick. People are kind of just feeling out the conversation. And I'm talking about people that we hang out with all the time, like truly our best friends. So the first, we were at Century Club. So it was, it was a shot of beer every minute for 100 minutes. And the first 20 minutes, there was kind of no conversation happening whatsoever. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was even telling the guys. I was like, in a, I was kidding, but I was also serious that I felt more lonely on the group chat than I did <laughs> just <laughs> in isolation by myself. Yeah, so it was it was weird. But then all the normal rhythms started to happen. Like you were making funny ones. Sh- uh, Sean was being very funny. Um, like Ian had a couple good quips. Mike, you started doing the thing where you lead the conversation. You start asking people questions. Well, Mike, Mike was really good at moderating the chat. And, and I think these Zoom things need moderators, right? Like that's one 100%. thing we're all learning right now. Someone needs to be in charge of the conversation. Mike, you did an awesome job. And you were kind of going around the Zoom chat like you'd go around a table. And you were just kind of including everybody <laughs> and asking them questions. And, and then people were getting drunker and drunker. And by the end of it, it was just like any old hang. And one of the questions you had, you were like, do you think when we look back on this Zoom chat, we'll even know if we were on a Zoom chat? Or do you think in our minds, it was just like we were hanging out at the bar? What do you guys think? Hey, Mike, Mike T, do you think we're going to remember this and you're getting all sort of like philosophical about it? And the best part about the whole thing was that uh, when it comes to our normal rhythms of a group hang, is the nut, in classic nut fashion, left for a better party. You know, because he, oh he, he, he's normal. Normally, like, uh, guys, I got to go. I got other people to see. Thanks very much. I love you all. And that's exactly what happened on the Zoom call. He left early, and the rest of us were... He left at at 10 p.m. He left. <laughs> and he gave the excuse he always gives, which is the biggest load of bullshit. Oh, man, I was too drunk. I had to go barf. It's like, no, you didn't. You had another party lined up with, like, some industry people. It was... It was the minute he left, we were like, that... To be bailed on at his own party on Zoom digitally was the most insu- wildly insulting oh, thing, yeah. but it was kind of awesome and just like true to form, which was, and we just like exploded laughing the minute he well, left because it was like so classic. Who stayed till the bitter end? You know it, baby. Me, you, and Sean Dawson. <laughs> yeah. And and who stayed till the bitter, bitter end? Or may you not know that? I know it's you and Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Because Mike, Mike did the best job of making it seem like a real hang. Like, you know, people, at, at, they'll just ghost you. What's it called? An Irish goodbye or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. You made it so real, Mike, because you left your camera on and, and just <laughs> left. So it's literally just the empty frame with the promise that you may come back later and literally just let your phone drain out till the battery was gone. 
Oh my God. I was doing it on my laptop. So two, so a couple of things. This, this was such a fun hang for a lot of reasons. Uh, and one of them is that like, I hadn't drank beer in a month and it's like, I'm like, I go to the pub at least once or twice a week, hang out with friends, have chats. None of that has been going on in quarantine. I've like, I've drank some wine. I kind of got a little bit drunk one night, but that's like of a, a whole month. I have not drank beer at all. Um, Dan Hamilton, who lives in my building, was doing a beer run for this Virgil thing. He's like, hey, do you want some brews? I'm like, yeah, grab me some brews. So we went over to Merritt Brewery, grabbed a bunch of tall boys. And so for the first time in a month, I was drinking beer with my friends. Like Max said, after we kind of felt out what it was going to be like, because we had like, I think at its peak, we probably had like 20 people on. So it's like, got to figure out the rhythms of who's going to talk and when. Once that all started to fall into place and we started like laughing our asses off, then I'm like crushing beers. Like I'm even going beyond the Century Club. I'm like, shit, oh this God, is a party. Yeah. This is having a fun time. <laughs> so by the end, like we were so lit. Like it was, we guys weren't wearing shirts. Like my brother came into the chat not wearing a shirt right off the top. Then all of us were missing shirts. Then we started putting on weird outfits from our closets. Like I was wearing, I was wearing a blazer with no shirt underneath, a tie that I decided to tie up, and like a poor boy cap. Like like our buddy Felix looked like Macho Man Randy Savage. Shane was shirtless. Dawson had this hilarious like giant suede coat on. Uh, and by the end, the only reason I, I do you remember Shaney, <laughs> me, you and Sean are like the last three men standing. Yeah. We're having a chat. It's like almost one in the morning. Just a really good sort of like hang, very drunk laughs. Uh, I do have some funny screen grabs. Like Sean Dawson looked hilarious. Oh, he kind of looked like Bane or something. eh? Like he looked <laughs> just imposing and cool and like, yeah. At the very end, though, do you remember who came back in? We had two guys pop back into the chat at the Virtual very end. kind of popped into Spy, but he was in pitch black. Who was the other person? Dan Hamilton jumped in at the very end again. Oh, I don't and remember that. And then he passed yeah. out. The, the, both those guys are classic for leaving the party and then coming back. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was so true to form. Absolutely. It was great. And even Maxi, I felt like you were like, you were kind of feeling it out at first. You're kind of like, what are we doing? There's like, everybody's trying to talk. We can't get into it. And then at some point you, cr- you crossed over and you were like, this is awesome. And you really got it. Is it because you were finally getting drunk? You were saying you haven't drank this whole quarantine either. Yeah, I was the same boat as you. I yeah, I didn't have any faith in it because I've seen everybody else uh, on my socials post these screen grabs of these, you know, 10-person hangs. And I'm just like, you guys are all just lying to yourselves. Like, this cannot possibly <laughs> be a good thing. This can't be actually a fun time. Um, and, and the first 15, 20 minutes, it was true. I was like, it kind of lived up to my expectation of what it was going to be. Oh, it was but terrible. But then as things started to get rolling... I was like, oh, wait a second. This is actually awesome. And the thing which I really stood out to me is that I hadn't laughed like that in a month. Like, you know, I've had like laughs and I've had nice conversations with people. But that drunken, guttural laugh that you get when you're hanging out with your friends, you just haven't had in a, in a month. Isn't that? And I just was, and I was like, my, my cheeks were hurting by the end of it because I was smiling so much. And it was just so awesome. And I was like, oh, I really miss that. And I, I sent you guys a note the next morning. But I was like, honestly, it was like, there, there are these parts of our lives that we took for granted and that we kind of forgot about. But it's just like that 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 laugh is just something that we don't get to have anymore. So so the Zoom chat provided Well, that. I told Alex, because uh, she's like, are you scared at all? Like, Or not scared, but she's like, are you nervous to hang on this? I go, to be honest, I kind of am. And she goes, are you going to drink? Like, I'm like, I might have a Coors Edge, but you know what? I actually think I'm going to have one real beer because I had one Stella in the uh, fridge. So I grabbed it, I had the one Stella. I ended up on the line for five hours, even though I thought I was gonna be on it for one, grabbed a, a full Sailor Jerry's Mickey and drank the entire thing in addition to my Stella. 
<laughs> so Al- Alex is just waiting for me to come back because we were going to watch a movie after I did the thing. But every time she walked by to check on me, I was yelling something ridiculous because, <laughs> as, as you know, Mike, my my phone kept dying. So I had to yeah. o- I had to oscillate between having headphones in or my charger in. So when I had the charger plugging my phone in, I would talk very quiet. But when my headphones are in, I talk so loud, the whole house can hear what I'm saying. But every time I had the headphones and she could hear how crazy we were being. And at one point, <laughs> you guys are going to want to cut this. But at one, at one point, we, we were talking about like hot Canadian celebrities or something. And then I started just yelling like, uh, do you jerk it to corner gas? <laughs> do you jerk it to corner gas? <laughs> and, and then Alex walked in the room at that moment. And it was just like ev- literally every time she walked by, I was doing the dumbest shit ever. Uh, what I was going to say was that it also had uh, lots of like great laughs. But also we kind of got deep in, in certain moments. And Mike, you really opened up in a great way. And we because we were talking about, you know, the quarantine everything and you got into how your mind works and how it's actually been quite hard on you because you you think of every possible angle and we're in the situation where we don't have a lot of answers so your mind's going like a mile a minute and Danica has been really like helpful and has really guided you along in this thing and it, but and I loved what you said I was like Mike why the fuck have you not said this on the podcast and then you're like you told me to keep it light on the podcast bro <laughs> um, but I was like oh no but it was so good um, and so uh, but but it, it had that um, sort of intimacy of a of a hang with your friends when you're drinking and like the and your emotions and true feelings really come out in a in a vulnerable way. So it really like ticked off like all of the boxes of of a hang. But um but Mike, you did you want to expand on, on that thought? Yeah, distill that here? genius, Mikey. Oh, yeah. uh, no, I I think ultimately what it was what, what it was was I was going around like the grid. So we were in grid mode on whatever program we were using and I was kind of asking everybody at this point what they missed about the the old world, like our old life. And we sort of started, everyone had fascinating answers and everyone had different sort of like takes because everyone's going to miss different things. And, you know, the one common thing is we all miss each other and sort of like the time that we spent with each other. Our friendships have always been like such a big part of like who we are. Um, and then I, I just, I, what Max said, I talked a lot about how like, you know, in order for me to sort of proceed is I sort of think about every possible outcome and I think of the worst possible outcome and I, I become okay with that. And then I'll proceed if it's, you know, whatever. In this situation, it's been so difficult because all the worst possible outcomes are genuinely real. Like we're in such a, a real situation um, that it's like it's hard for me to shake sort of an ever present concern that I have about a myriad of things. Number one, health. Um, you know, we're living in an apartment building. I've talked about that before. And 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 then, you know, obviously like the future and what that's going to look like, our jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but mostly I said the thing that I miss is like it's like everything I think about now is so incredibly heavy and i miss worrying about trivial shit like i miss worrying about like the raptors like rotations like it's like are they going to start freddie v when he comes back i like that was the Mm -hmm. that was the height of the things i worried about and god do i miss like being like should i go to the pub it is a wednesday but max and dan are going and it's around the corner like those were sort of my big decisions and now it's like do we leave the apartment and move back? It's like there's so many heavy decisions and we got thrust into it. And I'm like, I find myself sometimes just being like, God, I miss work. Like the things I used to worry about were so trivial. 
And now everything I am concerned about are, are, are heavy things. So that was kind of what I was saying in that moment. And then I, you know, other people opened up in very similar ways. I think that's what I, is that what you're talking about? What yeah, I that was, yeah, yeah. I was that pretty was drunk. It. I'm not going to lie. I was, I was, I was in, I was in one and I was like, it was just nice to see everybody's face. And yeah, it was, it was, I was very, very hungover the next day. I don't know how you guys felt, but like it was. Yeah, oh yeah. I was very, I was very hungover. I, I was actually one of the things that I said that I missed. I was like, I, I hate being hungover. You guys know that I'm such a baby when it comes to being hungover at all. But like, just having a bit of a hangover glow because you know you had so much fun the night before. And like, even though your head hurts a little bit and you're moving slow and you can't be really be as productive, it's like you just feel kind of warm because of the memories you had of the previous night. And I, and I had that for the first time, like, in yeah, a month. I was so, like that too. Uh, I had like almost a euphoria the next day. Like, I was a little bit tired, but I yeah. didn't have that like crazy pounding headache. I was just like reliving funny moments from the night before. Totally. Um, Erica, since you weren't on the call, uh, what, what, what do you miss about the old world, about our old lives? Yeah, I've had a few Zoom calls too, like that with my friends where we've gotten pretty hammered. I've had a few shiny hangovers thus far, but I miss the same kind of shit. Like, like same thing, like just like going out. And I, I was talking about it with my friends recently, actually. I think the first time everyone kind of really goes back to like a bar or a restaurant, like I will be quite emotional probably like the first time I go out to eat like with my friends or the first time we all like go to a bar together and like have a crazy night you know what I mean I just it's just like the normal stuff and it it sucks too because like this all progressed so quick there was sort of no warning as far as to like what had to stop when mm-hmm. you know yeah. what i mean yeah so there was it no like last like was... hurrah or anything that we were able to all you know like let's all go to one last exactly. night out or something exactly i feel like if we had a bit of you know we knew it was coming we could have one last yeah like hurrah it would be a little bit easier but it was just so quick it was just all taken away and it yeah that's like the part. are we all gonna go on like a crazy vacation when this is all over like if this lasts six more months is the next blast gonna just be like a wild like all-inclusive party <laughs> yeah and i was thinking is it away from our partners because we've basically been on vacation with our partners uh for the last you know whatever 45 straight days mm-hmm. so like we've really put in significant time right yeah <laughs> that's, I, that's I would think at, right, all Jane? bets are off and we could just have a crazy like 12 day boys trip yeah okay well, 12 days yeah. 14 days what am i doing you, 14 um, days yeah. purge Two style weeks. like what yeah yeah good i'm into but it. do you think I'm that in. will honestly happen like let's say this goes Six more months. Would we all go on vacation together? Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. I was, I was actually I was thinking about that today. I was like, the other thing that this whole quarantine is making me feel is that time is so precious. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like you're just uh, thinking. I was like, oh, you know, I, I, the, I was planning to go to the Raptors game with my dad on the Saturday night, just as lo- lockdown was happening because the Nick Nurse event was on the Wednesday. Yeah, we had tickets to go to this thing on the Saturday, and. I was like, oh, that would, and I was looking forward to having that experience with my dad and and having that memory with my dad. And, you know, my dad's like in his 70s and I can't see him. And I was just like, oh, I just can't wait to go on a little trip with my dad, go to a basketball game, go to a baseball game, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And, and it just makes me reevaluate like, oh, I should be making more. I feel like I do a good job of like living, so to speak, you know, and like making the most of my time. But this is going to make me want to like double down even more. You know, do you know what I mean? That of was course. like, oh, absolutely. We really need to, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, that trip, go do it. Yeah. Do you feel like time is going by faster than you thought it would under quarantine or slower? Both. Mm-hmm. Both simultaneously. Yeah. It's the weirdest phenomenon. Yeah. It's like three weeks. Well, that was three weeks ago. What the fuck? And then on yeah. the other hand, it's like days are su- super slow and you're like, yeah, time is, time is very strange right now. 
I will say what's interesting about humans, or I mean, at least in my experience, what I'm finding anecdotally is like how you start to adjust to the rhythms of the day. Like, so like, you know, like we're breaking up time with wind. So there's like, like I used to go to work for eight hours a day. So I drop Winnie off at daycare and then I would go to work and then I would come home and you get into that rhythm and sort of how that life works. Then you get thrust into this whole other life. And like those, those days early on were like, oh man, how am I going to like entertain a toddler for the eight hours I would normally be at work and still do work and all that. And it, it felt very sort of like, um, um, intimidating. It was almost like, how, how am I ever going to adjust to this? And then weirdly, now the days actually go by at a normal clip, even though I'm still doing the same stuff with the, with, with Winnie and, and Danica, it's just that I've mentally adjusted and then become used to the new normal. And so that gives me hope for whatever the future holds is like, there's always going to be an adjustment period, whatever this all looks like as we start to sort of like either get back to some sort of semblance of what normal might be or whatever. I think, I think our ability to adapt and adjust and become sort of like live in sort of like a way that might've seemed inconceivable previously just becomes your new normal. And I think that you just adapt and, and that I've found that that to be the case in the months that I've been, I've been sort of like in, in quarantine. I don't know what you guys find. Yeah. I find without markers for time, it, it goes by fast. Mm-hmm. Like weekends are less weekendy. So it, it like a, it's hard to keep track. I'm like, Oh my God, it's been over a month. Like Max just said three weeks. It's been over a month. Yeah. You know, it's been four mm-hmm. weeks. So it is going by much faster than I thought and kind of the like the opposite of what you think. Like, do you find you guys are daydreaming a lot about uh, like the like funnest times in your life? I de- I've been daydreaming about what I want to do when this when we can get out. That, I've been yeah. thinking about that a lot. Yeah, I've been thinking about um, like a, just like good moments on a vacation or oh, like th- this little time I had with one of you guys or something like I find I'm doing that a lot. Mm-hmm. Also, find like weirdly, like I don't have enough time in the day or something. Like, the, yeah. like I feel like I've been. I wake up pretty early for my standards. Like I'm up at like seven, seven thirty, and then I'm kind of doing stuff all day long, and then I'm exhausted by ten. And that's because I've sort of like taken on Arkell's things, and we do the pot together and all that. But it's just like, and I've never felt so busy. Like I don't. Yeah, maybe maybe because like you're not like breaking up the day going to see people or going out for lunch or going out for a beer afterward, which makes the day less intense. But when you don't have those social occasions, you're just kind of working more. I don't know. It's it's yeah, very very weird that like every day I'm like, holy shit, it's six p.m. and I have and I feel like I'm behind, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever the fuck that means. It's oh, weird. big time. And I found too that there's no more evenings anymore. Like like. In the old, like the way that, you know, I used to live, it would be like you get home from work, you would sort of, you'd feed, we'd feed Winona, we'd put her to bed and then it's like we'd we'd play Jeopardy or I'd have a movie or something that I would throw on or I'd like be up till like midnight watching basketball on the West Coast or something like that. Now it's like the minute she goes to bed, it's like it's finally our time. So then we're just kind of looking at our phones, catching up on whatever news of the day and then it's like, oh God, I'm so tired already and it's like you know, 10 o'clock or nine 30. And it's like every, like even trying to find time to watch Tiger King was really hard, which is crazy. Wasn't it weird? Cause we have nothing that but time. Yeah. You have nothing but time. I was like, Mike, how do you not have time? And then, but like, I've been there. It's yeah. like, Oh, that article I meant to read. I just didn't have time for it. Yeah. Yeah. Erica, uh, we, get to uh, yeah. we will in a oh, second. Sorry. I wanted to know, uh, uh, I feel like I saw this as a listener question. I wanted to know personally, Erica, did you tell your mom about the car? Oh, <laughs> I did. So I, I sort of chickened out in the sense that I didn't tell her till I actually got to my house. 
I, I meant to tell her on the phone before and that I was too scared, whatever. But I told her when I pulled into the driveway and I showed her, um, like she, she wasn't happy, but I mean, as predicted, must, much less angry than I anticipated. So mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. I can thank the quarantine for that. And Erica, you know that actually prompted Alex to tell me she had damaged our car. I yeah, I saw that. How did that go? Did you you hadn't noticed though? You said right? no, because I don't I don't give a shit about cars. And that's another thing mm. I found I've noticed through this quarantine. I've realized I don't care about stuff at all. Like mm. I I mm. just don't care. Nothing has real value to me, other than like time and relationships. Like I'm like oh man, like I, this doesn't really matter at all. Except for going out and maybe having a laugh or hang with family. Like that's like so much more important to me now than it ever, ever was before. Not that I ever really gave a shit about cars beforehand. But yeah, I, uh, she thought I'd be worried for some reason, but I wasn't. <laughs> that's good. Mm-hmm. Was it big damage? Yeah, it was like a huge dent. But I, I find Alex gets, <laughs> gets into a lot of minor fender benders. So the whole car mm-hmm. looks like it's been beaten with a baseball bat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, do you, Maxie, do you want to move on to topics here? And then we'll maybe get to some questions yeah, let's, after let's that. Yeah, let's get to topics. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. So uh, first up, um, last night or this weekend, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, Saturday Night Live did a from home edition, uh, sort of a quarantine edition uh, of their show where Tom Hanks was like the host. I'm doing air quotes where essentially he just did a monologue and then the cast sort of self-shot a series of sketches and then they assembled it into sort of what looked loosely like an SNL episode. Chris Martin performed a song right before Update. They had a, a version of Weekend Update. Uh, they had a, like a, an animated short. Um, what did you guys think of this? I, I mean, I guess there's a couple of things. One, uh, do we appreciate the effort, the fact that Lauren Michaels is sort of doing this thing where he's like, you know, SNL has always been there through whatever we've gotten through. They were sort of the first ones back after 9-11. They kind of, uh, they're, they're sort of like this... Um, Part of what they stand for is like we we need to be funny in all times, and I guess this was an effort at that. Uh, but of course, this is unprecedented, and no one's ever tried to do a, a live comedy show that is always done in front of a, a studio audience uh, alone from home. Uh, how did you guys feel? They 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 they. I guess first we'll go with. Um, do you think it was a good idea to try and do it? We'll start with Shaney Boy. Oh yeah, I thought it was awesome. Like for for me, SNL is uh, comfort food. So even when it's bad, I'm just I enjoy that it's on. But this, like, I didn't feel like it worked necessarily. I felt like it was awkward and unfunny, particularly Pete Davidson's rap he did. Like, what the fuck was that? Like, there, I didn't even see any attempt at humor when he was doing that Drake song bit. Maybe I'm missing something because, you know, I am getting older and maybe he was referencing something in the culture that I, I just don't understand. But, yeah, a lot. Of- I know. I totally agree with you with the Pete Davidson thing. I was like. It's like, I feel like I know, like, you guys could write a joke song that's way fucking funnier. There's about six lyrics in the whole thing, and the beat itself was terrible. It's like, did he make the beat himself? Like, you think if you work at SNL, you could get any musician in the city of New York or in America to be like, yo, can you send me, like, a Drake-sounding song? But it sounded like a, like a pop rock song yeah. or something that he was singing over, and then... I was like, is Pete Davidson being exposed right now for being kind of like a shitty writer? Because like, if the if the project was let's submit, like everybody submits your own thing and we're we're gonna air it, but there's no writers room for you guys because you think if he brought that song to the writers room, the writers would be like, what the fuck is this? It was so like, and I get that he's a good performer and that he's very funny and he's physically he's like a good like, and he's also charismatic, but the but the content itself was so 
fucking terrible. Like when I, I did high school announcements and I did parody songs in grade nine, and my shit was way funnier. Croc Rock <laughs> is is a thousand times funnier than that. Shane's old band, and I was just like, man, Pete Davidson. Like, did you just call it in? Like, I just had no. Like, there's no person, especially in the world of like professional comedy, that could say that's like at all good. No, and even the other one he did, which was much better about having $2,000 uh, in cash, uh, that was derivative off another like viral video that came out like 10 years ago where a guy was rapping about being an everyday average dude with $1,800 in his bank account. Like that, and that was like his lyrics weren't even trying to be really funny beyond the having $2,000 in cash. So there wasn't anything that stood out that really made me laugh out loud, except maybe a, a, a piece in the Cal Mooney edit with Beck Bennett. Bennett. Yeah, that bit I, mm. I thought was okay and they like utilized editing well. It, it took me a second to get used to the rhythm. Overall, I didn't think it was great and it made me question like, did they have to like stick to this like particular format? I get the Saturday Night Live and this is the way we do things, but you guys are all pre-recording your shit anyway. So it's, so it's like, why don't you, you kind of use a brand of comedy that lends itself better for internet culture? And it made me actually have more respect for YouTube comedians who use that medium really well. Because you, you, you've you been looking at all these late night guys and SNL who really rely on the laughter of the live audience. And you're like, oh, without that, you know, they, they really would have to just change the whole recipe, I think. Well, to begin well with. Kyle and, and Beck were doing that with the editing structure. They were making it more internet-y humor that, that's yeah. right yeah it's more digital shorty maybe would you yeah, say 100%. or yeah yeah um and so it made me think about like the weekend update thing was sort of weird so like they were doing the weekend update oh bits, i thought that was brutal and they have like the the graphics like which is super important for weekend update where it's like they make a jump, joke about trump and then they have a picture of trump in the screen mm-hmm. but they had like people on zoom Ugh. that are laughing at the jokes i'm just thinking like you guys have every resource at your disposal. Why isn't this produced a little bit better? Like, if you want to do something with a live audience, you think you could have like, hey, we're gonna do these jokes for the whole writers' room, and we're, and but everybody send in your like audio from your audience participation and we're going to like edit that into it. Like there, there are clever ways to do the sound design and the sound design was so fucking oh, it, terrible. It was, it was so it, distracting because the, yeah. one, the people who were uh, hired, I guess, to laugh or just their, their buddies who were told like just to do this, you could tell they felt pressure to laugh after every little retort and remark and noise. So it was just took away from everything because the laugh didn't feel authentic. And, and the jokes were actually fairly decent in the weekend update. I think if they just yeah. like did what you said, piped in either fake laughs or had no laughs, it would have went over much better. I think what I think what they could have done with that is because those guys have such good chemistry. Is they probably just needed to zing back and forth, and it'd probably be better if each one didn't know the other one's joke and just do a weekend update style. So uh, Colin has a news hit; he does the joke, but Che doesn't know the joke, so Che might genuinely laugh, yeah. and then those two can riff. Then Che does a joke, Colin laughs. But instead, it's almost like I imagine there was some sort of writers room meeting or producer was like no let's pipe in this laughter we'll have people watch on zoom and to, to your point it was just very distracting i think if they ever do it again and i guess next week's a repeat but i think they would probably do something more like that because i would watch che and jose just like shoot one-liners back and forth or, or like weekend update mm-hmm. jokes um in a split screen yeah it, it also makes me like wonder and this is kind of a, a question i've had for a lot of celebrities as we're all doing these fucking live streams right now is like if you're on SNL, you know the mechanics of what it takes to put on like a world class live show for television. If you're Chris Martin, you know what production looks like to put on an amazing concert that's visually stunning. 
and you think that they spend a little bit more time. I, I get it that it's a live stream. I get it that everybody's at home. But there are there's got to be some cheap, clever ways to elevate the user experience by like 75% just by giving a shit a little bit more. And it feels like every time I see a live stream thing, whether it's uh, iHeartRadio did a, a music like fundraiser for Red Cross and it was just like Tim McGraw sitting on his uh, like on his diving board at his pool, singing with iPhone headphones on. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it, was just like, it was just a terrible look. And you think like, okay, SNL, you guys are like literally like the heart and soul of comedy slash political commentary in in America for the last 40 years. It's like, and this is what you you can't, you've been off for three weeks, and this is what you're coming back with. I just thought it was like, it was just shocking to me that. Th- that was the product that yeah. they delivered. I don't know. Like, and by the way, I, I agree with you, Shane. I was super happy to have it back. I enjoyed it. I love like Larry David doing Bernie Sanders. I could watch that every day. Like all the shit. Like I was happy to hang out with them. But I was just like a little bit like man. Like I was just thinking like if the four of us were and Mandras were tasked with like, hey, we have this opportunity where the whole country is waiting for us to deliver some comedy fucking gold. I know these are our normal rules, but we got to throw those out the window because we're working with the new medium. We would try so much oh harder. And I think that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think we would just try much harder. The one skit that I kind of liked because uh, it w- went off the rails in a hilarious way was the Zoom call. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was like, I, I thought, thought that, that was good. That setup was great. Mm-hmm. And, but then like Kate McKinnon and A.D. Bryant went so big. Yeah. I, I just, I thought it was actually funnier when I was just laughing at like just the mundane sort of like the, 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 the thing that everybody does on those Zoom calls. Like it was yeah. almost funnier before it got crazy to me. Oh, I kind of liked the silliness yeah. of that one. That one didn't bother me. So much. I, uh, but, um, I loved, um, I don't know how you guys felt about this one, but I thought that the uh, middle-aged Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon was really, really, really funny. I, for some reason, well, that just, just the like slayed with me. Oh, it's such a good concept. And when Leonardo gets the call about like that cyst on his on his spine, and, like <laughs> yeah. there's just like the fact that it's just a cartoon and he's his eyes start to quiver because he thinks he's gonna get some terrible news about like, you know, that he's got some terminal illness. Oh my god. And then it's like, hey, did you hear about Shredder? Like just I don't know, man. I found I thought that sketch was like I'd be like, if I wrote that, I'd be very, very proud of that. What a funny concept and good execution too. Mm-hmm. Um, did you uh, did you guys like Tom Hanks and, uh, hosting the show? I thought that was a nice touch. I thought it was a classic, like muscle from SNL move. Well, from from a production standpoint, I thought it, I found it distracting. And Shane, you probably noticed it. they were mm-hmm. punching in on him. So I don't know yeah, if he didn't he couldn't edits. deliver his he couldn't deliver the whole thing in one shot. And I know that's like a nitpicky thing, but I almost just wanted Tom Hanks to come out and do it the way he would have had to do it live. Yeah. In, instead, mm. I felt the edit points. Every time they punched in tight uh. on him and then punched out, and it messed with the timing of what he was delivering. Like, just do it 20 times and use your best take. Yeah, 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 totally. And, like, who knows? Maybe he's tired as he still recovers and all that. I think just, in, in, like, on a, on a general sort of, like, uh, as, like, a sentiment and an idea, Tom Hanks was absolutely the guy to come out and do the yeah. monologue. That was a genius. Mm-hmm. It was great to see him. Uh, he was in good spirits. It was, like, his history with SNL and sort of being, you know... Uh, such like I think he's hosted something like not eight times now. So I know he's the five timer club like back in the nineties. It's he's like he's the guy uh, for sure. I just my thing was more like oh I don't know why they're punching in. It's messing. Well, with it the ruined timing. it ruined the timing and his timing was off. Like even the joke about uh, how Australia the, the Celsius is thirty eight is bad but thirty six is okay. Like women in Hollywood. Like yeah, he yeah. didn't put the pausing in between those laughing mm-hmm. points. Like normally you'd plan for an audience to laugh in between which would space it out properly but the jokes were kind of lost without that audience vibe 
it makes me wonder. It's it's like, you know, if there was no rules, um, I wonder if Tom Hanks, who's a clever guy who produces movies himself, goes, "Hey, I know normally as the host, I stand at the stage and I don't move, but do you think it'd be okay if I did a thing where I'm walking around my house and I'm like playing off the, like the various rooms, or I'm like you know like I'm moving more because I just think." Without a studio audience, we need something else happening in the frame to keep it exciting. It's like nobody was thinking in any way outside the box. You know what I mean? It just felt like, no, this is what we do at SNL. And that's, and like Chris Martin, for instance. Like, I love Chris Martin. I'm Chris Martin's biggest fan. I thought it was awesome that he did a Bob Dylan cover. But I was like, Chris, why are you doing it in like in black and white in your little studio in your house? It's like I kind of want to know what your backyard looks like, and like wouldn't it be cool if you like set up a couple like room acoustic mics in your backyard? You're playing in sunny California because that's where he lives, and and it's like and you're playing on a on, on a bench in your backyard, and it's just like doing. I just find that like the, the bedroom look from all these celebrities is just like not something I want to see mm-hmm. on national television. So. Um, well, you know, you, you know what's interesting about that thought, and and us talking about SNL and sort of the presentation. Max, you're talking a lot about presentation. It's like this is really sort of um, speaks to how amazing producers, set designers, like big. You're you're talking big picture, and a lot of time talent doesn't think like that. Ta- like mm-hmm. Chris Martin is a songwriter. Chris Martin is not a director. Chris Martin is not a guy that like is a producer or like a, a, a writer of sort of like. Um, music videos or whatever he writes music and he performs songs so because you're somebody that thinks with sort of like a 360 brain a lot of people like if you're one of these performers on snl it's like i know how to be funny so i'm going to write a sketch and i'm going to be funny but i i don't know how to light myself i don't know how that's why when you mention these youtubers it's like these youtubers are 360 thinkers you know they they light themselves they they think outside the box that they would think of like shane's concept let's try and do something non uh coronavirus and let's make it seem like beck bennett and 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 uh Kyle Moon, you're in the same room or something technically interesting. But I think that for most, like the, the delineation between talent and then the people's whose talent is to think like that and to then execute it, it's very, very, very different. I just think you're sort of a more unique thinker that way where if you were Chris Martin, you'd be like, how can we make this amazing? Whereas Chris is just like, I just, you know, he's probably thinking, what's the best cover song I can do? You know, that's how he communicates yeah. with people. No, no, no. I think- yeah. And where will it sound best? And that's probably in my little home studio away yeah but. where i'd be like okay we might be sacrificing 20 percent of audio but visually speaking it'll be a thousand times better if it's outside in your awesome backyard and you're playing like you know in a bed of roses or whatever the fuck um <laughs> but uh, weird uh reference <laughs> shirtless um, bed of roses yeah <laughs> yeah honestly playing bed um, of roses by bon jovi I, I love it this is great were you guys judging <laughs> their homes like were you looking at the background and just to see how they live i'm like i wonder how much they're worth. not judging oh. but so interesting Tom Hanks's kitchen was so much more humble than I anticipated. I was like, I have a better kitchen than Tom Hanks. It's right? Crazy. I was like, this is this can't be a real kitchen. Like, like this is this an Airbnb? Like, like, are you quarantining somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's just in his emergency bunker house. Well, yeah, the pool house or something. Yeah, his Who burner knows? home. Yeah. Yeah. Is Colin Jost married to Scarlett Johansson? By yeah, the way, is that their like, place? That was way too humble of a place if you're married to uh, ScarJo. It kind of has like a cottage vibe. Maybe that's like their Hamptons cottagey place, and then they have like a ball and pad in the city or something. It looked yeah. cottagey to me. Yeah, it felt like yeah. purposely contrived, like he didn't want to be showing off. No, sure, sure, yeah. But yeah, I was definitely it was also like that. Che though was like clearly in his like New York City small apartment mm-hmm. kind of thing. Do you know what well, I mean? Like Che doesn't have the money that Joe and Scarjo would have. No, yeah. but what was interesting about the houses was like, does Pete Davidson live in a basement at his mom's place, and but he's decked it out? <laughs> 
Like, what was yeah, the deal? Yeah, he bought there? a house with his mom. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that because I was very. I'm like, so he still lives with his mom, but why is his room decked out like he's 15? This is also weird. Uh, but it, maybe it was for the sketch. I don't know. Um, another, I thought another just to highlight some of the good things they did. I thought the masterclass sketch, the Til- Timothy Chalamet bit, was very funny. I don't think they needed to do the next two. But uh, Chloe Feynman, I think is her name. I thought her Timothy Chalamet was very, very, very funny. It was a well-executed bit. Yeah. It was really she's funny. She's done that before. Yeah, she's good at him. Yeah. So that, that I thought, that really landed. Um, did anything else work for you guys? Not really. Mm. Like, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, who's the... Kate McKinnon's bit would have worked way better, but her audio was fucked up. For Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah. bit? Like yeah. That, I'm not so saying funny. it was a great bit, but just the... her. She had the weakest recording device. Yeah, well, it's like she did. Shane, what iPhone. are you recording into right now, by the way? What am I recording into? Yeah, my he's H- holding a mic. My H six. Oh, you're holding a mic. Oh, I didn't even hear it. Okay, cool. Yeah, all right, carry on. <laughs> See, Max is always thinking big picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's really interesting, but uh, I, I think I, I do think we need to commend the, like the effort and uh, and just the sentiment of SNL doing it. And yeah, like of course it was always going to look that way because. These people are comedy writers and performers. They're not production people or directors. But I think in the, if they do it again, and I'm not sure if they've announced it, if they are going to do it again. If they did like a sketch where like Kyle was like, hey, Beck, pass me a water. And then he passes him a water and it goes like through frame. And then like either the water comes from a different direction or it's another object or just, just ways to fuck with the medium. That's kind of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, get really creative. But with I it. think they will do something like that in the future. That was a very like basic expected way to do it. Yeah. So good segue here. Think, okay, because I know I was shat on SNL. And by the way, I love SNL. I'm glad they did it. Like knowing that Larry <laughs> David, Chris Martin, like Tom Hanks is all like, great. All good. I just have such like high standards for them. And that's why it's fun to talk about it. But um, 21 Pilots just put out a new song that is um, Corona quarantine related. It's called Level of Concern. Have you guys seen or heard the song? No, is it good? No. Sorry, I should have sent you the link. But yeah, basically, um, the song is basically about like, I want to be with you in a quarantine. Will you be my little quarantine is like literally one of the lyrics. And the the rollout was really good. Basically, um, the, like, a few da- like a few days before the song dropped, the, the two guys in 21 Pilots are um, tweeting at each other like, hey, did you get the hard drive? Did you get the hard drive? Like the little thumbnail to send songs back and forth to each other basically, which is like a very old school way of doing it, which is the premise of like the band Postal Service is like literally sending files via the mail. And then a couple of days later, the album art for their surprise single comes out and the song is called Level of Concern and the, and the photo on it is that thumb drive that they were talking about a couple of days before. And the video basically is just dude in his house. It's very simple. Uh, p- like kind of selfie camera playing, singing to the camera, kind of dancing around. Then he goes out to his mailbox, puts it in his mailbox. Dude comes over, grabs the thumbnail, brings it, and then that's the drummer. And he goes to his little studio and starts drumming along. And it was just like, it is no production value, really. It's like, it's like they could have shot that with like one person helping, basically. But they really did an awesome job of just being like, okay, I know if I do anything that looks like there was 15 people on set, the internet is going to get really mad at me and that's against the rules. So how can I make a video with, with what I got? And I think they executed it really well. On that note, um, same kind of, uh, I think, inventive thinking. Did, did you guys watch the John Krasinski um, special that he's been doing every week? Yep. Um, some good news? Yep. Clips. Yep. Some clips. Clips of it, actually. Yeah. Clips. Okay, see, I and I thought that like out of all the late night people, 
no one's done it as well as John Krasinski. And maybe because I'm a softy or maybe I'm more sentimental or something. And that's the kind of the content I want to see right now. But like, I think Krasinski's stuff is, has been by far the best out of any of the late night stuff and beats SNL. And I know they're working in different forms to a degree, but like he is kind of just talking to a camera like hey, the Weekend Max, Update guys. Yeah. You know what John Krasinski is? What? He's a director. He just did a quiet place. Yeah. Like he's hey, a 360 thinker. He's a guy that understands lighting. He's a guy that understands audio. He's a guy that understands every aspect that goes into creating a piece because he just directed a film that he also starred in last year. Yeah, so I think you just said it right there. Did you guys like the Krasinski stuff? Yeah, it's it's awesomely yeah. produced. You saw the thing he did with the Hamilton? Yeah, that's the one I love the most. Like, yeah. that's very difficult to do. Like, how they timed that out and how they cut to the cameras was perfect. Like, it was right on point. Yeah, like, that. that's because when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is the first example of people that are doing these Zoom Skype calls that have this natural leg, which is very distracting to the viewer. But when it's edited, there's none of that. Like, I wonder, it's like, how did they film everybody's personal Zoom camera but not have anybody grainy? Everybody was, like, in HD. So it was like, were you filming with an iPhone next to your computer and you're sending that file to Krasinski's editor? Yeah, not one person fucked up the recording. The audio sounded good. There was none of that echo delay. There wasn't that weird warble that happens when you're on these Zoom calls. Like, they really figured out all the kinks. Yeah, and so it's like, why couldn't SNL do that? I, I just thought like it was so, and the tonally it was awesome, and he's providing that sort of service of like feel good news, obviously. But uh, d- yeah, is there anything else that stands out like that you've seen uh, in in the world of late night that is impressive to you? I think Jimmy Fallon just did a song with Sting that seemed to have that same uh, John Krasinski sort of uh, vibe to it, where it was just pro- the production wise, it was just done perfectly. Yeah, I saw that. It was like the, uh, the, the the classroom instrument sort of thing, but with Sting doing Don't Stand So Close to Me. Yeah. Mm. Is that a real Sting song? I'm not familiar with this catalog. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's actually, <laughs> I mean, obviously the chorus works because of the times we're living in, Don't Stand So Close to Me. But the actual song is a very weird song. It's, it's basically about a teacher who's like young student, like I'm guessing high school student, is basically like trying to seduce him. But as we all know, Sting was a teacher. So I like he must have been writing from like <laughs> and the whole point is it's like this girl is half my age. Don't stand. Don't stand so close to me because he's clearly tempted. <laughs> it is a weird song if you actually ever listen to it front to back. Um, and he like references Lolita by Nabokov. Anyway. Because <laughs> well, um, while I was watching this like cute thing and it's Fallon with his smile and they're doing like, the, you know, and they got the roots doing all the things. I'm just I'm just like these lyrics are, are still like. This is such a hilarious song in, in 2020 to, to be playing because the only people are going to pay attention to is the chorus. But anyway, go on, Max. Uh, Mike, this might be a good segue because you've actually had a chance to interview Sting, right? Yeah. Uh, for, our, for our television show. And if you had any more guts, <laughs> you like Howard Stern, you would say, so Sting, did you want to fuck your student? Like you'd be very <laughs> vulgar in a Howard kind of way because that's, that's what Howard would do. Which is a good segue to our next topic, which is Howard uh, talking to Tom Brady and being as vulgar as ever. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. I laughed my ass off. Like, well, uh, here's what's amazing. Here's what's amazing about that whole thing. So we're all, uh, I'm guessing, what was it, like a Wednesday morning, uh, Thursday morning? Whenever this went down, 
Shane messaged the pod group and basically just said, hey, everybody, uh, Stern is interviewing Tom Brady on Sirius right now. If you even if you if you don't subscribe to Stern, if you download the app, you can listen to it. And so like I I just happened to have a morning where Wynn was down for a second. So I was able to like listen to like a good 40 minutes of it. We're like on the text. We're trying to get Max to listen in, but you weren't listening. So I'm guessing you got around to it. But that whole thing was sparked because Shane, you just happened to come across it, or is Howard a part of your life now every morning? No, uh, Jr. and I are big Howard fans. So he texted me. He's like, "Dude, uh, Tom Brady's uh, being interviewed by Howard." I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" Downloaded the app immediately, started listening, and they didn't even ask me to sign up. So I'm like, "I know Mike's a Howard fan too," and I, I, I thought you would be fascinated by it, Max. So I put it in the pod group. Um, Jared Diggs actually he texted me as well and and then in that uh, and that made me tweet I'm like this is the most like dude text circle ever <laughs> yeah. but like uh, Howard Stern and Tom Brady it's just like dude catnip you know it's just like <laughs> but uh, and then after the interview was done uh, Jared was texting me about it and he basically sent me interview notes about the interview it's literally like a very long email uh, Brady did drugs but stopped when he was uh, young to please his folks. He talked about his relationship with his Giselle. Marriage talk and how he manages it. Brady got ex-girlfriend pregnant. Locker room big penis talk. Oh, locker room grab ass games. It's all guys in the locker room so there are not, aren't offending girls, etc. Sharing all of his secret tricks of the trade. Switch coaches who tells it straight. Anyway, sh- selfish versus sharing talk. Fitness and conditioning talk. Two ounces of, 200 ounces of water uh, for, uh, to <laughs> combat uh, chronic dehydration. Not a childhood prodigy so it's it's hard work. Hernia and large ball injury. Uh, anyway, he just, he just basically said, but I did listen to the whole thing. And it is an awesome interview. And I guess the question I had for you, sorry, were you going to say, Shane? Oh, I was just going to say what I uh, loved about it. And I think you were just going to ask what, why the dynamic was so fascinating between the two of them. Uh, that among other things. But yeah, but go, go there. You know our friend Mark Myers, obviously. Yeah, like uh, He told me people used to call him Tom Brady, I guess because he's like very athletic and very hot guy. He does kind of look like Tom Brady, yeah. And uh, they had the same vibe. What I love about Mark is I can ask him anything, like anything, and he will answer it with the exact same inflection in his voice. Like it's uh, <laughs> like when, when yeah. Howard was asking him about like politics, he would just give like straight face answer. And then he's talking about if he ever checks out dick size in the locker room. <laughs> and Tom, Tom's just like, oh, you know, we don't really pay attention to that. In fact, if you have a large one, it's actually more embarrassing than if you have a small one. He's like, and some of those guys will get ribbed for that. The guys with the big dongs. And I'm just like howling because Tom is not acting like... Like, it's a weird question at all. And Howard, like, lulled him into this uh, weird conversation by constantly saying, I'm going to let you go, uh, Tom. Just one more question. And he would drag it out for another hour of ridiculous <laughs> It's a Diggs move, actually. Yeah. Is my that a favorite part? My favorite part was easily, uh, so they're talking about the locker room and why it's so fun. And Tom Brady's like, you know, and all the guys are there. You kind of get to avoid growing up. You know, it's like being in high school. You get to play grab ass. So, okay, that's funny just as a saying. And then Howard ends up bringing it back like two minutes later. He's like, but that's what I'm saying, Tom. If you leave this thing, it's like it's like it's such a unique job. It's like if, if, if you're a dentist, you can't play. Gra- if you work in an office, you're not playing grab ass. And Tom Brady's like, no, no, you're not. Like it was like so he was so earnest about the fact that if he had a normal job, he couldn't enjoy the perks of playing grab ass in the locker. It was so ridiculous in such a fun and charming way. Yeah, it's interesting to hear him talk about Giselle and their relationship. He's such a like a serious like guy. Like um, the thing which I was most interested about is because I feel like 
Tom Brady doesn't do a lot of these like long form interviews. He's like kind of more private than most other famous sports celebrities. Like it feels like we know LeBron a little bit more. Like all the guys in the NBA, you kind of have a feel for like their family and what they stand for. Um, but Brady, what we know about Brady and what what I've conceived of him in the last few years is. Is he Republican? Is he is he is he friends with Trump? Number one, and okay, he's got some weird diet because every time I'm on YouTube and I've done like a workout video, there's always some like link uh, to the right of the screen, which is like check out Tom Brady's diet and like his workout plan or whatever. So it's like, and he, clearly he's like 43, still playing in the NFL. So it's like, okay, he's into some like very regimented, like advanced nutrition level shit, and he's very serious and he's Republican, and so. But after listening to the interview, I was like, oh, you know, no, he's actually like, it all, everything he said kind of made sense. Even his relationship with Donald Trump, I thought like was a very interesting explanation. It was just basically like, look, I met Donald Trump when I was like mm-hmm. 22, when he was like hosting Miss America pageants. He asked me to host one. I was like, I'm 22. That sounds kind of cool. And we exchanged information then and he texted me after games. And, you know, I don't know. I don't really want to get involved in politics because honestly, I don't give a shit. And... I don't know. He he talks about me and there's nothing I can do there, but I don't know. He's he's nice to me. And it just reminded me of like a lot of other sort of like celebrity relationships where it's like like everybody that has been famous in New York knows Donald Trump and Donald Trump might say he's a friend of mine. Even people uh, on the Democratic side. So that explanation for uh, like that um his like the Republican brand that he gets like made sense to me. And now I don't really think of him in the same way. And when he talked about his nutrition, I was like, oh, I guess it totally makes sense that you have to like not eat garbage if you want to play in the NFL when you're 43. Like everything, he seemed way more like robotic and cold hearted to me until I heard this interview. And then I'm like, nah, he's just sort of like a, a guy who's really serious about his job. His dad was a Marine. So he, and he clearly looks up to his dad a lot. He wants to be a good family guy. And he just like takes his shit pretty seriously. And he's like self-aware enough to know when he's like kind of being an asshole. He talked about when like Giselle got mad at him for not being around the house enough. I was like, oh, this all seems like pretty normal to me. Did did you guys get that impression or or am I uh, missing something? No, 100%. I think 100% for a lot of people that don't know who he is necessarily, it was very sort of like, I feel like you kind of get a sense of who Tom Brady is after listening to that, him talk to Howard. And I think that you described him exactly that way. And maybe we didn't know that before. I certainly didn't think of him that way. Like I thought he was super likable and a critical thinker and a thoughtful guy. He was, he seemed a lot sort of like um, self-aware, more self-aware and thoughtful than I thought Tom Brady was for sure. Did you buy that he doesn't have any ill will towards Bill Belichick? Because his his answer was Great. Like Howard was like, you cannot like Bill Belichick. You must want to fucking destroy him. Like when you, you want to play the Pats and you want – because when I get – like when I have to leave a radio network, I hope they, they close up shop. When I, when I had yeah. to I hope leave they America's die. Got Talent. Yeah. I hope, yeah it's, it's like I hope the show was off the air. But you must feel that way. And Tom Brady's like, no, like I totally understand his job as the coach is – it was a very – like even keel answer in that he's like you know his job as the coach is to think of the long-term prospects of the team i understand why i did i I have nothing but like gratitude to him because we accomplished so much together nobody can take that away from us and i totally and i was like okay that that is the the right political answer to give but i was like there must be a part of him that's like fuck this guy (laughs) did you think could you get any sense if you thought he's full of shit or not no i think he was i think he was given the truth and i think you can be hurt and understand why he made that decision and forgive them all in the same breath. Yeah, that's a very good good point. Um, another thing that I was thinking about, though, was that um, I like the interview 
I've, I've listened to Howard interview musicians, and sometimes I feel like because he's so broad and isn't a, an expert in anything, when he's talking to musicians about musician stuff, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit, or it's just a little boring to me because I think his, the broad strokes are um, not that interesting. But hearing him talk to a, a, an athlete, or, and I don't live in that world, I found the interview to be really good. Um, but it did make me think, I'm like, ah, like, is there going to be anyone else like Howard ever? Like he's been grandfathered into this role where he can say whatever he wants and he's not, but like, is, and it kind of bums me out that like, we're not going to have a guy in 30 years who's going to be able to interview LeBron James's kid after LeBron James's like kid has done his career and, and like ask him, but like LeBron, like, Hey, did your dad have a big dick or whatever? The like stupid question that Howard would have asked a person, but because in 2050, like the, the, that talent isn't having any opportunity to develop right now. And I, but through podcasting, I, I, I feel like it is. Mm, okay, so who who would you say would be next in line? Like, because Dax is like da- more yeah. polite and PC and enlightened, though. Like, nobody is as crass and vulgar and sexual. As That's Howard true, is. but Dax finds ways to do it in a more like you know, like I'm a modern I'm, way. He's like, I'm of- a huge Howard fan, so I'm just going to ask my Howard Stern question here. Like, do you ever take a peek down there? You know, in the shower? Like, you don't have to. Like, that's how Dax would do it, right? And I f- sure and a maybe slightly younger version. Joe Rogan is kind of crass, and oh uh, yeah, Joe Rogan does give a shit about being canceled at all that's true mike do you, you got anybody in line that, that you that you think could uh or, or is it possible no i mean you bring up a good point about like uh like what's interesting is joe rogan and Dak shepherd were already famous when they started sort of interviewing people like they already had established careers so they can get it's like that what you're talking about really is like the rope to sort of like and the, and and sort of like um the trust of the guests to go to weird places that most interviewers can't and and it's like will there be like some young guy that is starting on radio or whatever you know podcast or youtube whatever it is right now that will be able to build a brand the way that Howard did and Howard's such a singular unique talent like there's so many people out there right now that are either like too crass or not quite as clever or they're you know it's like Howard got to grow into what Howard became over the course of 40 years or however long his career has been um and the other guys that are doing it like you guys mentioned Dax or Joe they were already famous before for other careers so all of their guests are friends of theirs or people that already trust the brand I'd be very interested to see if some 20 year old is able to sort of like grow something like that so that in 10 years they do get LeBron James's kid on uh yeah I don't know it's a good question yeah, and it's also just like taking the risks. I guess like podcasts, if you like build up your own army of followers, like you can do that. Where it's just like I don't give a fuck. About, like the, the, we're gonna play by my rules, and that's that. But yeah, I guess because Howard, but Howard came up in a more sort of conventional form when their podcast didn't exist. Obviously, yeah. Um, there's a guy who has a podcast called No Jumper. He's kind of a tattooed dude, and he's oh, com- yeah. You, you know who I mean? Uh, so he's kind of like very Howard Sterny. Hmm. In a good way yeah, and a bad my way. My brothers like him. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. is it basketball related? No jump. No, it's not. He just interviews so. uh, musicians mostly and like uh, SoundCloud rappers and stuff. But he's interviewing oh, the most famous people of the younger generation, and he'll ask them everything kind of straight faced, and he's he's jokey and kind of with it. So we all agree uh, that uh, just to wrap this up, that Howard is a master. He's the best, and uh, yep. I don't know if we'll ever see another Howard. Um, 
But what we're going to do for our listeners right now is we're going to actually wrap. We're going to keep recording. We're going to keep going because we're going to get some listener questions. But uh, because we've only been giving you like sort of like one uh, one episode a week, what we're going to do is keep doing this as a supersized episode, but we're going to break it up and we're going to give you the listener questions uh, at some point later in the week. So if you're listening to this, thanks for tuning in. And uh, in a couple of days, we'll see you with these listener questions. 